0: Hello. If you are wondering if we are recording, we are, Susie. Don't worry. <laughs> because last time we were not, and we got about 20 minutes into this episode or so. <laughs> and I looked down and I was like, I wonder where we're at. You know what? And I'm like, it's oh, somebody... we're at zero. Oh, no, we're not recording. You know, we have avoided a
1: lot of technical mishaps. Yeah. So we were kind of due for
0: some sort okay. of Okay. That incident. makes me feel better. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like Qantas Airlines. How don't fly. So? I don't oh, know. They're never...
1: due for a crash. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love that bit that uh, Chris Rock does about how people say, you know, <laughs> within cops, there's a few bad apples. Have you heard this bit? No, I haven't. Tell me, tell me. When he's like, that sounds almost nice. Like, it's just a few bad apples. But I'm sure it is. And I know how hard it is to be a cop. But there's some professions where you can't have a few bad apples like pilots (laughs) he's like what if american airlines was like most of our pilots like
0: to (laughs) land (laughs) you know you kind of need all of them to be good absolutely oh my god that's fucking funny and so true
1: how are you my love also
0: pretty good chris rock impersonation suz
1: you know what i toned it down because i didn't want to be offensive michael scott (laughs) yes yes (laughs) <laughs> but I did it for Adam and he was like, that's a really good, just <laughs> like that's just for you. That's oh, just for him. Oh, that's funny. How are you, Suze? Doing okay. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, we were talking on the one that we didn't record. How did yeah. we move into the conversation? Oh, you were saying about your carpet?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, you my gosh. You got that new carpet. Yes. That things, are, that things are looking up for us because, like, it was, like, as soon as I finished decorating the office, we had that leak. So yes. then I had to clear, and then they had to come and clean the carpet. So then I had to clear all the stuff that was ever in the office and the closet, which is all my books and everything, out of the closet. And all that stuff was just living in the middle of our living room and in our bathroom, which is so annoying. For a week, we had to walk around a bunch of stuff. And that makes you feel like the whole house is messy. So we finally got (laughs) everything, uh, uh, you know, put back and the carpets are dry. Um, But, you know, they did that good old like, hey, first we're going to try to just clean them instead (laughs) of replacing them. And then uh, we'll see. And Ren and I are like, "Mm, do you think that that, when they do that, that they're just trying to see if you'll go for it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. for oh okay. for sure. Absolutely, okay. cuz they're like doing the math. they uh, cuz a lot of times I think they have to replace carpets sometimes when you move out. Yeah. I don't know. If you've been uh, so if they if I'm um like 80% through my lease and I have mm-hmm. a flood, they're going to be like let's just clean it. No worries because mm-hmm. they have to that's going to be like two times in a year they have to replace the carpet. So these right. guys are like, you know, yeah. see if she'll go for it. Yeah. And I'm not going for it.
1: <laughs> She's not like, falling for that.
0: No. Ren did some research. He did a little digging online and he found out that you, that uh, it said like the top of the carpet will dry. But if you get the, the, what is it called? Carpet pad wet? Yeah. You have to replace it because it'll just grow mold and bacteria. Yeah, and then disgusting. they tried to tell us this was this one was a real kicker. They tried to tell <laughs> us that it wouldn't grow mold or bacteria because there were no they needed biological that you need like biological material to grow that. And no. that's not. And I'm like, it's like what "Bill makes Nye, you th- Bill think Nye is here <laughs> I'm like, what? So it's, so we have so yeah, come on. What Yes, it will grow there. Everybody knows that. If it's what if it's what, <laughs> it's like a sponge. And everything that's gross that's on the carpet and was in that water is now in the... This is not difficult for me. She's had it. I've had it. Man. And, oh, and, oh, my God, I'm also mad at them because they released the info about the pool. And, uh, Sue's, you already know this since I told you and complained to you all last time. (laughs) We have, like, four to 600, right, and I estimated, like, people who live in the apartment complex. And we have a pool. And there's a spa attached to the pool, like a hot tub, and who doesn 't love a hot tub? Uh, it says that the maximum occupancy at any given time for the spa is one person yeah, who the hell is- wants to take a hot tub by the that's the loneliest hot tub, and what are we going to like <laughs> like tag team each other? <laughs> The loneliest hot tub. The loneliest hot tub this, there ever me, was. this reminds me of
1: when you had a hopeless tooth. Oh my god! The <laughs> it's like a hot tub. Hopeless
0: hot tub. Oh, I'm gonna draw a picture of that, just like I drew a picture of the tooth. <laughs> just like one person in the hot tub. You know what? That's actually a, a hilarious New Yorker waiting to happen. It one really guy is. alone in the hot tub, is saying like, I'm, mm-hmm. "I'm so glad they released restrictions on." This. Right. Well, my- <laughs> because my it makes it worse. My
1: objection is I think that makes sense unless you live together already then you should be right. allowed in there at the same time. Yes. And you're telling me they don't care if you live together.
0: They don't. They were just like maximum occupancy one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> personalized
0: hot tub use only and it's so big it's so big i already i already took issue with the occupancy that they had listed before because this thing is so big how it many could people could it fit at least an entire season's worth of of cast members wow. from the challenge oh, in okay. this hot That's tub. huge yeah and they and- say like max twelve. Sarah,
1: if you what? see some idiot in there all by himself,
0: you have got to take a picture. <laughs> oh my God, I so will. Because I all have so many questions. I'm like, is this guy who's writing so. Because I assume it's a guy who's doing this. I right. don't know why. Because, <laughs> like, it seems weird. And then the other <sighs> thing that's odd about it is that the pool and the spa are. In the middle of where all of the apartment balconies face. So it's oh. like you're taking a solo spa with But it, but your audience is hundreds of people. Yes. Which <laughs> is so fucking weird. <laughs> like they're just like what, watching you relax and like there's no way to like look I don't know. I don't no, know. It just no. is funny to me. I saw this, and I, was, I told Ren, so I was like, get Ren. Get a, get a Ren. I, I can't wait. And then I had to think for, like, five minutes about how, what was the funniest way to deliver this information Please? to him that I know okay. he was going to crack up about.
1: Now I need you to get in the hot tub and have Ren take a picture of you <laughs> in there by
0: yourself. <laughs> yes, and watch Ren comes over to the side to feel it, and somebody comes out with a whistle. Tru, tru. <laughs> one, one person, get the... Get we said one person illegal, illegal distancing, distance. Like they and can't they said pick no the... inviting any friends. How about that? Oh right, so they no can't friends. pick
1: up the poo in the hallway, but they can monitor how many people I are not. mean,
0: in tub. come on.
1: And then I asked you if you had seen Corey lately because oh, he what? lives in your building, and then yes, you weren't aware that MTV had canceled he his um baby special with taylor because of her racist
0: tweets right oh my gosh yeah i can't and i have not seen him i have not run into him and the last time i saw him he was talking to me about it wasn't even that long ago it was like maybe two weeks ago or so and he was telling me all about how the baby special was going to air and there was no hint about it not airing right but that was also before his do you think it's the combo of what he said and what she said no, it's no, just her
1: because he's African American. So I mean,
0: he but he had to of... put a pol- he had to put an apology up because he said he didn't identify. He identifies as white or something along those lines. Yeah, I'm that.
1: sure people were offended, yeah. but yeah. basically, I think the MTV would think, well, he fine, can say right? whatever he, can... he wants about yes, himself. He can.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: But yes, she is a white right. lady talking yes. about. Well, she was young at the time. This was from yeah. 2012. I think she was a teenager. But yeah. What I said before is the weird thing is that they used this as a plot device on last season, and now they're canning her over it. So it feels yeah. a little weird. Yes. Um, And people have a lot of opinions about all that.
0: Yeah, it is. I, I just don't... The, this is stuff like when they used it before, and, you know, like I was telling you, it's only the women who are getting the slap on the wrist. Oh, I, I know... There are countless racist things that Johnny has said on there. Yeah. For sure. I remember a, an interview with him and Nani where he's, ta- and um, uh, uh, um, who do they always like to do it to? Johanna. And mm. they would always be like, talk, I mean, just, I'm not even going to repeat it. It's awful. Just, you know, things offensive about being stuff, illegal yeah. and offensive stuff. And oh, everybody yeah, I remember laughs. That. Yes. And I swear to God, there's like a a montage online of this that I remember somebody sent me before. I I know I've seen this.
1: Well, and I think with the D situation on the challenge, she was making these comments right now. And so that was, to me, felt like a no-brainer.
0: No-brainer, right. This
1: is a little more complicated because she did it a long time ago and they used it as sort of like, I used to be this way, but now I've changed. Yeah. So I'm surprised, but... Um, companies, I think, are really having to make yeah. some tough decisions. And yeah. I think I told Sarah before we started recording, I think a lot of people are shitting their pants, worrying yeah. about what's in their Twitter history for whatever yeah. job they have, maybe getting fired.
0: Yeah. So we shall see. Well, and it, you know what? It's a time to, like, call out how... I remember, you know, I was talking to Ren about things that I regret. And I remember... There was a moment on the challenge when we were—I remember exactly where we were. it was on Rivals, no, uh, 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 X's two when I was with Jordan, and we we're all sitting around talking about oh, something about uh, uh, that had to do with like the prison industrial complex or like the mass incarceration of people of color and especially the black community. And uh, I started talking about that, and Johnny said. Oh that's just your white guilt and like everybody oh, yeah, and I I remember that I, too. Yeah, and I felt mm-hmm. ashamed. I felt so like like I should be the one embarrassed. And yeah. just re- and I was like that's some fucking bullshit because if that happened I would be like I wish that I had the awareness or knew about that like racial gaslighting and th- mm-hmm. what all that and how that's not even the definition of white guilt to like mm-hmm. you know and i was and now look i'm like oh my god that that is one of my biggest regrets is not being like no we aren't like you're the idiot yeah, being more outspoken yes i wish i was <clears throat> oh so moving forward it's like no no, I'm not. there were times in the class where i would be like you know they'd be like oh and why do you think this is like this and i'd be like oh uh, because of fucking white people and mm-hmm. everybody in class would be like sarah and i should have been like what argue me tell me that why it's not that is the answer go yeah. ahead fight the other side because i'll i'll absolutely argue this all day long and so you know there you go and now i i'm gonna do that <laughs> so now i'm all fired up i'm like give me somebody to give me somebody to talk to i'm in the mood to teach
2: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: I am super into this fun story and uh, that I've been following, and I got it also from a brainiac, and it makes sense because they knew that we would be into it. Um, I think we may have even talked about this a while ago on the show, but there's an update. So Ooh. an author had created a... Um, sort of like a treasure hunt with one of their poems. This guy wrote a poem, and in it he said he included clues on a buried treasure that he put somewhere. And uh, he wanted to encourage his readers to get out into nature and have some fun with their families or whatever. And this has been
0: going on for 10 years. People have been what? looking for this what? treasure. I do not remember this story. Yeah. This is so great and I absolutely love it. <laughs> and talk about a fun, co- yeah. like it covers so many bases.
1: Right. It's two of our favorite things, nature and reading. And add well, another and one, uh,
0: adventure and treasure. There's so much. And like togetherness. I
1: know it was. It's a great idea. Here's the downside, and this is. Oh no, uh, what? Uh, Susie? No, there's only. Well, I mean, okay, 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 okay. Well, people got really Except into it, and so some people, <laughs> some people did die. What? Looking, <laughs> look, looking, it's not funny. But looking for the treasure, there were some mishaps, but that was that was just an unfortunate.
0: <laughs> I <incident. I'm>, what? <laughs> Stop stop making me laugh about it. I literally have said zero
1: words. But it's because you were so excited and I am too. But then I just had to note that there were some (laughs) downsides to this idea.
0: Okay, Okay, Before anybody goes off and turning their literature into other treasured, people may die. So he buried it
1: in the Rocky Mountains and... Hmm. But he's an older guy. I think he was 70 when he um, buried it. So Jeez. people kind of thought, well, if he could get the treasure to this spot, how hard could it be? But I guess some people just got off course and kicked yeah. the bucket. But what, regardless... Or what if you're following the wrong
0: clues?
1: Right. So all the people knew was that it was in the Rocky Mountains and then they had to use the poem as a guide. Mm-hmm. And um, it's worth a million dollars and so oh you can imagine my God. some people even quit their jobs to go looking for it. Well, yeah. the, the hunt is over. Someone found it. And um, he or she is anonymous, but mm. they did send a picture of it to the author. So the author knew that the hunt was over. The only thing that's annoying, wow. I mean, aside from the death and destruction, is that <laughs> they never said where they found it. So, like, it, let's say you were looking for it, wouldn't you want to know if you were oh, close? If you had gotten yeah. even close to it, yeah. Huh. So that part annoyed me because I was like, "Well, where was it?" I mean, well,
0: what and what is it that's a million dollars gold? That
1: was like, um, yeah, like of um, like jewels and like kind of like a like pirate's a real booty, buried treasure. Yeah, <laughs>
0: pirate booty. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> it's like funny every time
1: because it looked like coins and jewelry and stuff like that. Like your way. stereotypical treasure. Yeah. So that's wow. pretty cool.
0: Wouldn't you have just been so excited if you found it? You know what? If I were Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, and this feels different than like lottery winners that just get it instantly because there was work behind this. So I feel like it's not going to have the same effect as the lottery. Because remember when you asked me like, wouldn't you like to win the lottery? And I was like, nope, no, thank you. (laughs) If you had said, would you like to get a million dollars via treasure hunt? I'd be like, yep, I'm in because there's the hard work behind it.
1: Yeah. And you're invested in the process as well. Yeah. And how many years do you say it went on? Like 10
0: years man
1: yeah that's a big I love hunt stuff like that what a cool I do idea i wish nobody had gotten hurt of course yeah. but it's a great idea and i think a lot of they interviewed one family in the video i saw who said that they felt like this was the last page of their favorite book because now the hunt oh. is over they were looking for it but they didn't find we it.
0: it we need but another yeah. thing like this it, you know, <laughs> if I were like a real, like a, you know, now I guess we would have to be like multi and I had like, you know, maybe it would be one of those situations where I'm like, nah, my kids don't need a trust fund. They need to work for it. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to buy <gasps> buy some treasure and I'm going to bury it.
1: Now, see, that would be kind of cool.
0: It would be the coolest. Your kids would hate you for I it. know, but you know what I'd say to them? I'd be like, well, if you were paying attention and you, you would know what these clues meant and you should go find it. <laughs>
1: you should go find
0: it right yeah i'm like find you the bird then it. you could be, yeah you could have it it's there wow just go tough. get it i know please you thought it ended with just chore charts Uh uh-uh. <laughs> even even Treasure even months. after the great even, even from the dead i'm still uh yeah you're like you want your allowance go fucking find <laughs> it go find
1: it oh my god that is so funny <laughs> oh that makes me laugh a lot Zeus. <clears throat> okay oh my next sheeks. up This is um, courtesy of a brainiac named Claire who posted that there is a uh, group of people who subscribe to a religion that I had never heard of Mm -hmm. uh, where they worship Severus Snape from the Harry Potter books. Yeah, this makes sense. (laughs) And so they... They believe and they say that they're all sister wives of Snape. Mm -hmm. They're all married to him. Mm -hmm. And um, they call themselves Snape wives
0: or Snapists. And (laughs) Snapeist seems like a bad choice. Snapist is too close to a lot of things. Uh (laughs) Sniper, rapist. Rapist,
1: right. And then um, they believe. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: oftentimes you hear this with the Bible that people believe that the authors of the Bible were inspired by God to write this mm-hmm. message. So mm-hmm. the message itself is inspired, but they don't think that it's in, um, inerrant because some fundamentalists mm-hmm. think the Bible is inerrant, that it's the literal word of God. And then other people think, well, Jesus, or God inspired it, but it's, uh-huh. you know, it's got human flaws. So they are, uh-huh. they believe that the Harry Potter series was inspired by the spirit of Severus Snape, but oh, Lord. J.K. Rowling made some fuck-ups, so that's why he comes off real bad in the book.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. This is Isn't like their great? Bible. Okay, I'm going to guess that these mm-hmm. women are about... Okay, what year did Harry Potter first come out where we saw this this actor come Was on? Was it like w- 2001? I'm going to need to know, because that that matters for the math. They're going to be 13... They're going to be... out. However, oh my whatever year it about came out, this is their Jeff Goldblum.
3: <laughs> ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really
0: is no place like home. get what you're saying a hundred percent this is the guy that did it for them they got all the feely feels down there mm-hmm. they're a little odd like a couple fe- and all it took was a, f- a few people were denied please i have patches please. about i have i have like i have made wallpaper dedicated to jeff goldblum all these gals did was start oh. their own religion that's only a few moves away Susie. i'm in a fan club you think that they're not devoted enough yeah. <laughs> I'm like, do you have patches? Are you in a fan club? I mean, really, a fan club. You don't club even you care sold, about name. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hilarious so that's my theory on this this is so much funnier than i ever imagined it would be because at first i was gonna be like okay now i'm annoyed and now i'm like yeah i get this, I right. see where you're this like, from. Oh, you you feel
1: that because that, i'm walking into it thinking like can you believe these crazy bitches and you're right. like they
0: don't even care about him <laughs> this they is even their love him this is their like 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 entrance into like sexuality <sighs> I get what you're saying. Yep, and there's a little bit of fear and danger in there, you know, just like Jurassic Park. It was kind of scary (laughs) with the dinosaurs, so I had like increased arousal from just the fear response, and then you overlap that with the like tingly sexual feelings, and it's Mm. a recipe for an addiction to lifetime dedication and like deitizing them. There you go. There you go. That is
1: so interesting because i really was gonna be like sarah explain this to me As in a mic terms drop right there. of like the, how otherwise normal people mm-hmm. can engage in this sort of
0: insanity but you really put it into perspective there yeah i bet i would love to find out <sighs> the age of these women i guaranteed they hit sec- they they sexual they're they're like come, yes what is, coming of age yes lines
1: up Okay, Mic well, drop. if you guys, if any of our listeners are Snape's wives or Snapists, <laughs> can you please let us know your age? Yes, yes. Um, now, and this it, is
0: different than Harry Potter fan.
1: This is like...
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, just so we know.
1: Yes, so, yes. but like, like, uh, some of them are get a lot of crap because they're married to real men. And so yeah. then they say that their husband's... Um, get possessed by the spirit of Snape when, like, banging oh my god, <laughs> what would you say that is?
0: Well, I mean, all of this is just like you have a bunch of people agreeing with you in the same thing, and it's like I, 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 I can just imagine them all hanging out together or talking over Zoom or something <laughs> and Zoom. being like, and being like. Oh, don't you like? Isn't it? Don't you wish that our husband could just be Snape? Yeah, oh I wish my that like, like our husband it could just be like Snape comes over and he just empowers my and it's really him. And you know what? Most of the time when I have sex with him, I just pretend that it's him. It really is like he does. Yeah, it is like he does. And then they start like going up, and it's that that it grows. Uh, yep. <sighs> that, I mean, that's my guess. I like
1: because I mean, I guess there is, you know, fantasy can be great. But I guess they just take it a little further than most people. So then it seems odd and kind
0: of disturbing. And you have to look at all the other things like zoom out and find out like what else is going on. If these are people who are currently feeling like isolated or disconnected and this is giving them a sense of community, then their likelihood to kind of like uh, adapt or or, or buy into maybe beliefs that are, are things like, you know, you just want to be part of the group. So you're oh going to like just agree and it feels so good. Great. Yeah. This is a great story.
1: So thanks, Claire,
0: for yeah, posting that shout on Twitter. Yeah. Claire. <laughs> what if she's like the leader of them?
1: <laughs> she's not. Because I was like, oh, I'm definitely talking about this on the show. So That's funny. she's fine with so, it. Shout okay, to Claire,
0: who's not the leader of the Snapists. The
1: Snapists, yes.
0: It really needs some rebranding okay. and therapy.
1: Do you want to hear about a guy who faked his voice for two years to impress a
0: girl? Or oh my
1: God. A mannequin in a funhouse that actually
0: was a corpse. Mm. <laughs> oh my God. The mannequin in the funhouse that was actually a corpse. What? Okay, okay, okay. This was also sent to me
1: on Facebook Susie, by a
0: Brainiac. Yes. Our Brainiacs are. This they are just <laughs> You guys are killing it. Get These it? Killing are, it. Okay. Yes, I do get that. (laughs) Killing it. But they
1: are. They're great. They know us very well. Mm -hmm. And they know what we would love. And in this case, this was on that site called That's... I think it's called That's So interest or All That's Interesting or something like that. Okay. Anyway, um, so one day in, I guess, the 60s, a film crew for the $6 million man... I think that's mm-hmm. the name of the show, came yeah. to films at this fun house. They were filming an episode, and one of the people on the crew needed to move this mannequin, or what he thought was a mannequin, and when he moved it out of the way, its arm fell off. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> and, my God. And, this is, uh, like,
0: out of American Horror Story. It really is. You this, imagine, like doesn't happen. Yeah. No, I can't imagine. Actually, <laughs> so I mean, I've seen law. No, I, I've seen SV, not SVU, uh, uh, CSI, and yeah. every time I see something like that, I'm like, oh, for Pete's sake, that's that's such a stretch. <laughs> it's not believable, right? This is this is that crazy. Yes.
1: So they saw, of course, that the arm was an actual human arm, and uh, of course was were appalled, and so they did some. Um, deep diving on what, the, how this happened. How do you end up with a corpse at your funhouse on accident? Well, evidently, um, this was a robber, I guess in the early 20th century, who um, ended up dying during one of his bungled... Um, robberies yeah i heists think or- yeah heists. and then the the body was never claimed because this guy was just like a drifter or something so the undertaker embalmed him and decided to oh. dis- display him for people oh. to put nickels in its mouth oh. so that's what? the first step in this story right a question <laughs> yeah like what kind of an embalm uh undertaker has that kind of well i guess maybe it comes with
0: the territory i don't know we say like what's he designing like a what's he making over there a vending machine i guess what's he supposed to get like you put the nickel in and what happens i guess
1: maybe he just wanted to make money
2: i don't really know i don't know it's like a
1: wishing well yeah, yes, exactly. But he was like, I, I got to up the... But it was a no human here. body.
0: I need nickels only.
1: So some carnival owners saw it and they wanted it, but they didn't think they'd get the undertaker to go for it. So they pretended to be family members of the deceased.
0: <gasps> and this is a crazy <laughs> freaking paper. story. Like, how do they even know? And what? Okay, more, I'm. Yeah. more, more. I'm, and I'm, so this is crazy.
1: After that point then it kept getting passed along. Like I guess when that amusement park closed, that or carnival or whatever, then they must have sold everything to another one, and it ended up going to an amusement park near Mount Rushmore, and then it ended up at the Hollywood Wax Museum. Oh, my God. And then eventually, at the filming of that show, they realized it wasn't fake. So I think everyone after the first... Carnival thought people it was fake. thought it was fake. When oh.
0: it was, and they probably wanted it because it looked so fucking realistic. Oh, my God. And then it's, like, looked at as something different. It's looked at as, like, uh, um, what is it called? Like, memorabilia, like, circus and, like, freak slideshow slidesh- yeah. memorabilia. And, yeah. Or not, was that the word I'm looking for? Like, like.
1: An attraction, basically. That's yeah, like-
0: but, like, when they take that stuff then they put that in a museum and it's like like yes oddities and stuff yeah yeah that but it's like wow can you believe that people actually you know put these this kind of stuff on display it's like a freak show about the freak show exactly and uh yeah but i guess
1: after that first one then people were just like wow that mannequin looks sure spooky we should get it and then (laughs) (laughs) without knowing that it was truly a dead guy
0: you know shout out to the embalmer yeah he did some good work and if you've been passing around a body shout for that out to long the embalmer. i don't think we're giving credit where credit is due i mean yes. clearly guy, was a real that craftsman. that guy did a good job because that thing is and i'm imagining they didn't keep it temperature controlled so oh my god we've got a dead body that's been floating around for years and it's not sinking up the place well and who knew that embalming was that effective for that long uh, some would say the ancient Egyptians, but. <laughs> well,
1: they were, they were. A some little would argue all of Egypt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The way we do it is no, way No, they do mummification,
0: right? That's mm-hmm. totally true. So I'm just going to be like, Sarah, they don't even want to embalm them. I do remember the smell of what embalming fluid smells like. And it's the worst smell ever. Like formaldehyde or what? Oh, maybe that is, is it. Because remember what, did you ever have to dissect frogs or did you oh, do like yeah. a, big, a fetus pig? And that was have, an awful oh, day for me. I, I totally tried to protest that. I was like, that girl.
1: Imagine how upset you would have been if you'd gone to this fun house.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Ooh, gross. Well, there you go. Yeah, That's That smell does leave your nose. That's such a good one. A plus. Thank you. <laughs> a plus. Who sent, who sent I this I forget in? the name of this person, but thank you to the Brainiac that sent that.
1: Okay, next up, would you like to hear about the guy that faked his voice? Mm hmm.
0: Okay. Yes, because this was uh, one of my favorite hilarious moments on Parks and Recreation where uh, Tom, uh, the character played by Aziz Ansari, he fakes a (laughs) British accent when he meets this woman that he really likes. And uh, then he has to like undo it. And that's the the most hilarious. That (laughs) happened to a real friend
1: of mine who (gasps) pretended
0: (gasps) to be Scottish.
1: He what a girl. weird choice! I know, I know, I yeah,
0: right. I don't but know. Is this just how good he at a Sean Connery yeah, impersonation? I think he was probably just Sean really good Connery. at it.
1: And then yes. he had to keep it up for like a year. And then oh
0: my god!
1: Eventually, she found out, and of course, was furious. Because, like in, you and I say
0: all the time, it's not ugh. the thing; it's the lie. It's the lie. What is it? it not it's the cover. Yeah, like the the it's like the the lie about it. Right, like I always like- say
1: with um, Bill Clinton, like if he just gave some got a blowjob from somebody and admitted it, yeah, he would really have never works. been impeached. It was the lie that got him yeah. impeached. Yeah.
0: But yep. okay, tell me, tell me. Okay,
1: so this was um, from Reddit where they have a whole subreddit called I think it's called "Am I the Asshole?" <laughs> and That's
0: funny. you
1: write like what's going on in your relationship.
0: And oh, people get that's to say good. Yeah,
1: like whether you're No, you are the it problem. is you.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's good.
1: <laughs> so in this case, a woman had been dating a guy um for a couple years. They met online, and for a long time he was avoiding a phone call. And you know how that's like a red flag where you you worry about getting catfish. So she oh, was yeah. insistent, like we have to talk on the phone. Like I really wanna know who you are. And he's like, Well, I'm embarrassed of my voice. And then when they got on the phone, she said it was like husky. And um, she thought, well, I like your voice. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a little husky. Well, the truth was it was husky because he was faking a low voice because his real voice is like super high-pitched like a Muppet. Okay. So he was just doing this low voice, and she was like, I don't know what the big deal is. You sound great. And so then he had to keep it up. And so they even moved in together... Mm-hmm. and he's still doing the low voice and then one day he he kept having to do the stuff where you like don't want her to meet
0: your family and friends oh yeah because people would be like right. why are you talking so funny
1: yeah so yeah. he kept lying about all that and avoiding it and then finally he's like oh you need to God. call your mom you haven't talked to her in so long just call her up and then when he got back inside after he spoke to his mom he must have forgot or had like he switched. He talked in his normal voice. Yeah. Oh. And she laughed. Oh, she, no. Because she thought he was doing like a joke. Of course she did. Of course. And then that doubles. Oh, this is so bad. I know. Oh, okay. And so he's devastated. And now he's back to like faking it. And then he goes in and out. Like where no. sometimes he does the low. Okay. And sometimes he does the Muppet voice. <sighs> So what is your opinion if you were this
0: woman? I am so glad you asked (laughs) because I have a million things to say. So here's why I think he's not – we shouldn't be that mad at this guy in this situation because what this reminds me of, and I know it's a different situation, of course, but Mm -hmm. of people who are uh, transgendered and they change their voice to match – the sex oh. that they closer identify with. Mm. And but vo- vo- vocal training is a real thing that a lot of people do. That they okay. that they're Remember when we watched that documentary, I think it's called Do I Sound Gay? Oh, oh yes. Yes, Yes. and it was all about uh, people who would go to – there was a vocal coach who would, like, work with people to train their voices to sound more masculine. Yes. All this guy needed was a voice coach, and instead he tried to DIY it, which doesn't work. (laughs) DIY. Yeah, and I feel really sad for him because this was, like, shortened (laughs) larynx or something that was, like, a – physiological condition that he was made to feel ashamed about and then in trying to you know it's like somebody who's short who's wearing heels or like lifts or this is like him trying to you know so i was thinking you were like like he's putting on a british accent or something and being like a dickhead like that okay that's yeah gonna, this is just somebody who was feeling embarrassed or this is like the girl who stuffs her bra mm-hmm. you know and i, I don't, don't think- even think it's that bad It's yeah, right, Mm -hmm. you know, because like he's really trying and I feel really bad for him. And then when she laughed, because that's like his biggest fear is -hmm. that she would hear he loves this woman and she would hear his real voice. They can somebody send them my number so I can give them therapy (laughs) because I'll really help them and they should work it out.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: I think you make
1: a really good point because I never I didn't think of it in that way. I was just focused on the fact that he had to lie about so
0: many things to accommodate this problem. And then I think, wow, this must have been something he truly felt shame about and felt embarrassed about for him to go to such lengths that he would isolate, that he would, uh, you know, prevent her from meeting his family, that he would cut himself off from all of those other things because this was so important.
1: Right. Okay. So Hmm. what about, though, let's say... He's sort of come out of the vocal closet yeah. and then, you know, he just thinks, well, I'm going to just talk like my normal voice now. And she Mm -hmm. hates it and she's like repulsed by it. What would you say? But clearly he hates
0: it too. Right. So he should go and he should go to vocal training or he should go in and check out to see if there's any kind of surgery that he can get to. Like, lengthen or shorten his vocal cords. Yeah, because that is a real problem. Like, there
1: some people do have issues with their vocal cords where a muscle doesn't work or whatever, yeah. and it changes the register of, and tone of your voice.
0: Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Well,
1: I can't imagine that she's going to stick with this guy,
0: but everyone no. agreed she's not an asshole. Right, and I do agree she's not an asshole, but it's um, one of those things where, like, I think there's more to this, and if we just take this, like... I, I would have a totally different feeling about it if it were like you know your friend who faked the Scottish accent, and I'm like, it's weird
1: because I, I kind it. of feel bad for those people too because when they first do it, they just think it's funny. They don't realize that it's going to be a a serious relationship. And then do they're they trapped.
0: think it's funny or is it like? And and they even talked about this on Parks and Recreation, even though it's just you know a TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. But he said he met this woman and she's like a doctor for like doctors Without board or something like that. Amazing. And he's like, I just thought you would never go for me, regular me. Like I wanted to make myself seem more interesting because I thought you would never like me. Like, I feel like the need to do that comes from a place of like low self-worth and, and doubt and shame and not enough. Mm -hmm. And so I see, I feel like, and, and also if that's at the root of the relationship, if, if the feeling of like not being enough, is is somehow like it driven itself into like the the formulation and the the foundation of the relationship then the relationship doesn't stand a chance because that's not solid ground to start that's that's Yeah, right. you know, you got to feel both people have to feel like they can be the the thing I love best about my relationship which is what I love best about our friendship and what I'm sure you love best about your marriage is that we could be a 100% ourselves. Yeah. And that feeling like you can't be that or being judged for that or that like, you know, whatever it is. When I think that that
1: feeling of truly being yourself in a relationship is actually more
0: rare than we think. Oh, uh, for sure. Because first yeah. foremost, you have to allow somebody to see your, full, your true self. Right. For example, not put on an affect or change your voice. Right. And that's so really scary. you have to scary. first... Yes, you have mm-hmm. to be transparent, vulnerable, and authentic in order to be accepted for being authentic. Right. Ooh.
1: Well, I wonder what's going to happen with these two. Because to me, there is hope, but it feels like they would have a lot of work to do. Especially a the lot guy. of work.
0: Mm-hmm. But but there needs to be it needs to be coming from a place of compassion. Like somebody needs to understand and have like see and explain it. You know, because. Oftentimes, the thing that that people get reactive about in a relationship comes from uh, uh, the other person feeling inadequate or feeling like they have to de- defend a part of themselves that feels hurt. So, if you can get to that that part that feels hurt and like talk to that the hurt part inside that made them do whatever it is, then there's compassion. Then the other person, who's you know often like the victim of whatever that action was, can have a little more compassion for maybe why they did that. Right. Yeah. Given that it's not something that's like actually hurting the other person.
1: Yeah. It's just yeah. superficial and not yeah. about one's true identity or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Glad we got that settled. Yeah. Um interesting. All right. Well, I'm gonna bring on a guest. Ooh, I have yeah. interviewed a an author named Sarah Fryer who wrote the book that we did in our book club last month called no filter, which is about the story of Instagram. Yes. Really great book, especially if you're into technology, social media, and then how it affects your own behavior in your life. Like the choices that Instagram made along the way will have informed the type of pictures that you put up. What, um, how we see filters and influencers and monetization of those things. It's really fun to learn about because this is all having an impact on your life without you realizing it if you use social media. And so that's fascinating. And she Mm -hmm. did a great job in the book. And I love that it's about business and technology. And it's written by a woman, which is unusual. So she kind of frames it as this isn't a tech story. This is a human story. And I love that. Um, So I will invite her on. Before I do that, I wanted to quickly tell you about, you know, with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter, you're seeing a lot of articles come out, you know, discussing it and stuff. And I saw one that was different than all the others, which is written by a woman who is a white woman. And she had... Was describing how, like, in her lifetime, she'd probably been pulled over, like, three times, you know, Mm -hmm. like a normal Mm -hmm. amount Mm -hmm. uh, for a white person. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, was always let go, never got a ticket or whatever. And then, Mm -hmm. this sounds crazy, but she got a black poodle who Uh looks like a person in the car. Uh Uh-huh. And all of a sudden started getting pulled over all the time. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially at night, because it really is hard to tell at night what's going on in the car. Um, but it looked like there was a black person in the car with her. So she kept getting pulled over. And it was always for like, I forget the phrase, but it's the thing where you're going like yeah. a couple miles under the speed limit.
0: Oh, I, I think it's called impeding traffic.
1: Oh like my not even God. a thing.
0: I'm so mad about this for like a um, fucking. So one cop pulled is her is so over real. and he goes,
1: who's in the back? And she said, no, nope, my dogs. And he said, get them out. And he made her get her fucking dogs out of the car because he didn't believe her. And then he was annoyed because, of course, he was wrong. He had, um, what did they call that? Profiled. Yeah. A dog that he thought oh was God. a black person.
0: Oh, my God. And then the That's dog. That's gross for a million reasons. right? One million. And
1: then the dog died and she's not been pulled over ever again.
0: Oh, my Wait, did my aunt write this? <laughs> Why? Because she drives a she is is a white lady that has a black poodle that just oh passed away. Oh my god! Well, you should ask her. I would. I'll definitely ask her, and I'm going to ask her about her being pulled over because she's crazy. Because
1: that is something that white people really. We're not pulled over usually for no, no reason, right? And even if it is a reason, Jeez. we're often given
0: a warning. That's so. Strange. I'm so mad
1: about that, but I thought we, it was we interesting. We keep fighting and
0: fighting forever and calling out all these things. And you know what? I was taught. We were. Ren and I were talking because when you use analogies or when you tell stories like this, and it seems ridiculous or yeah. like laughable, or that's when you know. I mean, like if you don't know already, there's a big fucking problem. Yeah, you know. We say that when we talk about things when you switch the gender, and if it sounds laughable for a woman, like to, then it's a problem. It's the same thing with the, like.
1: But if you oh. told Ren this story, he'd probably be like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, this I know. makes
0: total sense. To
1: us, it's like, that can't be true. Right, right. But so, it is
0: true. Keep staying wise and alert and, and, and fighting the good fight, man, and calling these things out. Yeah, and I really appreciated her writing that too because yes. she learned
1: something from it. And um, now she can teach other people, which is great. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. anyway, Mm. um, you should definitely check out Sarah Fryer's book called No Filter about the story of Instagram and welcome her to the show. Hello, Sarah. I'm so excited to have this author on today. Sarah, is your last name pronounced Fryer? Fryer. Yeah. Sarah Fryer, No Filter, the Inside Story of Instagram is her tremendous new book. I cannot wait to pick your brain. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you guys. You're such a superstar. I am saddened that you're reduced to like the quarantine book tour, but I'm just delighted that we get to have you at least. How does it feel though to be promoting a book during this weird moment? It's strange because you can't,
2: see who's reading. I've been (laughs) living, I've been living for every single social media post of someone reading the book. I just (laughs) imagined at this point in time, I'd be able to like sign copies for people and meet them and hear their thoughts. And we'll get to that one day. But for now, I'm just, you know, connecting with
1: people virtually. I mean, I suppose it's You know, apropos that you would be having to do that considering the content. But it is such a bummer because you toil away for so long doing the interviews and writing. And then now it's supposed to be the fun part where you can, like, interact with the people that have enjoyed it. But um, tell me this. Why did you think you were the gal for the job of this Herculean task of documenting Instagram story?
2: So I have been covering social media companies since basically since Facebook's IPO since 2012. And I knew all of the drama of Facebook, of Twitter, of Snapchat. And I realized that I had a hole in my knowledge that when I started asking myself about the story of Instagram and how it was working within Facebook, we really only knew what the company had told us, which is not where you want to be if you're a reporter. (laughs) And... And I was trying to, when you're competing as a reporter, you're always trying to figure out what are the stories that nobody's thinking about telling that we should be. So when I was evaluating my blind spots, I started digging into Instagram and I thought, well, maybe it'll be interesting, maybe it won't. It was much <laughs> more interesting than I could have possibly imagined. And, and the reason why is when you look around at your world, at the, the things people are doing in your life, the way it's changed over the last decade you can see the impact of Instagram in a way that you can't necessarily see the impact of Facebook or Twitter. Um, You can see people prioritizing experiences over things. You can see more travel, more uh, restaurant photographs, more everything to do with presenting ourselves in this highly curated, highly conscious way to others and building an audience and a brand. And that just was not part of our culture as much ten years ago, I thought you. And of course, beautifully. you know you know because you you have built this brand yourself. I mean, you you certainly have understood the the power of this platform for shaping everyone's life and in, in the economy, really.
1: Yeah, but what you created in your book was such a impressive thing to me because it, in the dust jacket it was saying that it's a human story, and I thought, how is this a human story? It sure as heck is, even when. You're sort of creating this timeline of what went on in the business, but you, I, at least as a reader, would think, what was I doing at that time? And I could see, as you're saying, the reflection of these changes they would make along the way and then how it, it informed my own behavior.
3: Does right. knowing
1: that freak you out or are you just cool with it? <laughs> It's kind of like, you know, when you have
2: a dream and then you wake up the next morning and then you think about why you dreamt what you did, like the people who were in it. You're, oh, I I guess I saw that person on Instagram right before I fell asleep. And that's why they popped up. It's that kind of thing when you're reporting and you learn not just about why things are the way they are, but the motivations of the people building them that way. Was... And you realize that so much of it is is personality. It's it's driven by ego. It's driven by people just trying to succeed. Whether it's the the people using Instagram trying to succeed, or the people building the product succeeding in competition within Facebook um, again, Snapchat. All of these ways that they maneuver to try to build the product the way they
1: did. I like how you pointed out how in the cultural perception, we see these Silicon Valley people as um, geniuses and just masterminds and so um, calculated, but they weren't and they aren't really. Oftentimes they're flying by the seat of their pants and don't have all the answers does that Did that surprise you or you've been in doing this long enough where you realized that was true? Well, this
2: project was, it was interesting because the people that I've interviewed so many times in my life, in some cases, uh, were more emotional when they were talking to me. And I think there's something about asking people not what's going to happen next. I need to break the news about the next big product or the next big change or the next big accountability problem with with regulators or investors whatever it might be and start asking people like why did that happen the way it did how are you feeling in that moment and then you sort of unravel all of these all of these moments in people's lives like one example is that the one of the earliest investors in Instagram was Jack Dorsey who is currently the CEO of Twitter Dorsey had just been kicked out of Twitter. There was a tension at the time with the board and the other co-founder of Williams and Kevin Systrom, who knew him from interning with him at uh, the company that invented Twitter asked if he could be an angel investor in Instagram and nobody had ever asked him to be an angel investor in anything before. So, weird. so he was like super touched <laughs> that someone thought he was smart enough. On. To be an angel investor. Right. And like, Like you think about it like, oh, well, of course, Instagram became a huge competitor of Twitter. And like, was that smart? No, it was just personal. It was like it was like he really believes in it at that time. Maybe Instagram could have been acquired by Twitter instead of Facebook. And he became like the biggest cheerleader for this product. And then when Instagram sells to Facebook, he's absolutely heartbroken. He deletes the app from his phone and never posts there again.
1: Yeah. It felt so sophomoric, but it's what you're saying. These are just human beings with emotions and feelings, and we don't perceive them that way. Right. Yeah. They seem larger than life. And I think the other,
2: the other aspect of it is this debate between whether you should treat your users like numbers or like humans. And Facebook looks at us and tries to tweak our behavior on a, a dramatic scale. Like if we tweak this, notification, then maybe we'll get more people to use this aspect of our product. Or if we change the recommendation algorithm, like, so maybe we'll get people to do that. And Instagram, when they were acquired by Facebook, had a very different philosophy about how to shape human behavior. They understood that if they wanted to do something that would really matter to people, they had to work with the people who had high following from the app. So they started deciding to curate people editorially at the at Instagram account, which still has more followers than any Kardashian. <laughs> and they would host people and make them famous overnight. And then they would behind the scenes like advise celebrities on how to use Instagram well, which ended up becoming a training ground for us and how we use the product and how we think about it and like what is Instagrammable in our lives. So it's just a very different philosophy philosophy about how you decide to build a product, and then that ends up affecting our behavior.
1: That's what was so strange through the story was I, I couldn't quite get a handle on, you know how you said that normally Facebook will acquire something and then strip it for parts. Um, why do you think they didn't do that with Instagram?
2: They realized that that Instagram had something different going on that they couldn't really replicate within Facebook. They tried to build a photo app and it didn't catch on. But most of all, they realized that that was the only way that the founders were going to come over because Mark Zuckerberg had been turned down by the CEO of Twitter. He had turned down himself, turned down Yahoo in 2006 when they offered a billion dollars. And so he knew that, that again, we're talking about personality, he knew that he w- if he wanted to get a star entrepreneur to join his team, he needed to present it as a path where he would still get to be seen as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as like a visionary, and have his little fiefdom within Facebook that Zuckerberg agreed not to touch. Now, of course, over time, that independence really waned when Zuckerberg got jealous of Instagram. But I, I think that, that that was what he, he was attempting to do is like really draw them in. And after he was able to do that with Instagram, that became his pitch to every other entrepreneur. He tried to acquire Snapchat that failed, but it did work with WhatsApp. He acquired WhatsApp by telling them they could be independent just like Instagram.
1: And do you think that he, um, his intention is to honor that. And then it just doesn't always work out that way. Or do you think that he's selling a bill of goods? Well, I think,
2: in recent years, it's been harder for Facebook to need to make that argument with anyone because they're under antitrust scrutiny. Mm. A lot of governments are looking at whether Facebook has too much power. So it's unlikely that they would a- be able to like do another Instagram-type acquisition. And with that uh, off the table, I mean, that was their big carrot. With that off the table, Zuckerberg is much more interested in making sure that Facebook becomes A long-lasting mega network with more power and a a bigger infusion of people into the main, the main advertising system, the main money maker.
1: I was struck throughout this story of um, how emotional it made me. Like, I felt sad about the the relationship between Facebook and Instagram, and also like the the dissonance between what maybe the founders of Instagram wanted and then like what actually happened. Did you feel that way? (laughs) Or is that my projecting?
3: I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know, I love Skims underwear. So I finally tried their bras and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.
2: No, I I think you're right. I think, think you know, what's interesting, I had this experience last year when I was reporting this out. Instagram employees coming to me and telling me that they were so sad that the product now feels like a mall, like, yeah, like every time you go to Instagram, you're getting sold to people are promoting something. It's really just like commercialized. And really, they built this to be a window into people's lives to build empathy in the world. And they were worried that it's not actually achieving its purpose anymore. Well, when I was meeting with Instagram employees, and we're talking about Instagram shopping, they're like, what if we turn Instagram into a mall? (laughs) Because then, Remember how like it used to be, we would go to the mall and we'd window shop and, and everyone could like hang out there, but you don't necessarily have to buy something, but it's just really fun. And to me, it was just like, wow, this company has changed. (laughs) It's changed us, but it's also changed internally. Yeah. And the way that they see their future, they're really leaning into the commercialization of Instagram. They're, they're working on building it into something that has more direct ties to shopping. And I think that that's, I think that that's, it's just going to be different. It's just every, even right now with coronavirus, Instagram is changing so rapidly. It's not as much about showing off that great experience you had at a cocktail bar or the most beautiful sunset on your vacation.
1: It's about empathy. And that's kind it. of like trauma bonding too, you know? And try, yeah,
2: trauma <laughs> bonding, sad fishing, whatever you want to call it. It's like, yeah, it's like it's like this sense of like let's check in on each other. Yeah. And and there's nowhere to escape, so let's just talk. Yeah. And let's do live video live tutorials. Let's let's do you know more direct messaging. I think there's really been a spike in direct messaging on Instagram. And if there's anything we've learned from this this crash course, this global crash course in personal branding on Instagram that we've had over the past 10 years, and how to get more likes and how to get more followers and how to like, make it in this crowded world of everyone trying to build their own selves up. Um, there's a little bit of empathy in there. There's a little bit of understanding what people want to hear from you. And that if you post something that will make people upset or, or angry or sad, that that would be actually bad for your metrics.
1: Do you think that Sistrum regrets selling it? To Facebook? I think that he's, he regrets
2: how it ended. I think that he realizes that, I, I think parts, part of him wants to know that if he were to do it on his own, he could have done it and he could have done it just as well. Right. But I think that there were, there were some, if you really think about it, there are some huge benefits to Instagram, to being part of Facebook. And I think the biggest one is that in the last few years of this major reckoning for social media companies, Mark Zuckerberg testifying for 10 hours in front of Congress, um, Jack Dorsey testifying, Kevin Sistrom got to like get his wine sommelier license, he got to go to the Met Gala, he got to learn how to fly a plane, like, what a life! I, it's, <laughs> it's much easier to be a CEO if you don't have to be accountable to the public as much. And and I think that that, that also might have, have caused us to have blind spots over Instagram and its power over our lives. And probably why this story that I wrote in my book hasn't been told yet. Because we think as a society, when a company is is bought by another, that their story is over. But that happens in my book in chapter three. And the story really begins... After they join faith, yeah, after that's they when things start get to get figure
1: cranking. out who they are. Yeah. Well, probably one of the reasons why the story hasn't really been told is because of the obstacles involved in that you experienced in getting interviews. Tell me about that process right. and like if you ever felt like this is not possible.
2: Oh, all the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I,
2: it's a slow process. I was really nervous. I was just constantly nervous about getting enough getting to the to the root of of what was happening at Instagram and what had happened in the past. In reporting, it's always a very slow process. You find one person and that person if they if it goes well, they might introduce you to other people and then they might introduce introduce you to other people. And so every day I tried to reach out to at least 5 people and I tried to interview at least one person. And I just tried to be really regimented about, about this process and forgive myself for not having the full picture. I look back at my proposal, my outline. I thought maybe that this would be a story about like how Instagram was the future of Facebook or was going to save Facebook from its problems. I did not expect to find this tension between Mark Zuckerberg and Kevin Sistrom. And I didn't expect that Instagram had such a dramatic pull over our culture, like directly, because we think about about technology platforms as neutral. We think about them as like just a reflection of humanity, whatever we want to to see, they'll show us, but they're not actually deciding what is good or bad content. Instagram was deciding. They were they were promoting certain things to us. They were making human-led editorial decisions, curating things, trying to show us stuff that we wouldn't necessarily pick for ourselves that we might get into. And that was really different for me, like after years covering social media to learn that. So as the more that I learned, the more that I tried to bounce those things off of other people. And the weird thing about reporting is that people are more likely to tell you something when you already know it. And, and so you say, you'll say like, oh, I heard that this happened. And someone will say, okay, well, that's not quite how it happened. It actually happened like this. And then you start to peel back the layers of the truth. Did you feel like they're therapists sometimes? Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the people I talked to for my book had either never been recognized for the work they did to build this into what it is today, hmm. or they had a lot of angst and tension with the story that they'd really no one had ever really understood, especially those early employees with Instagram. They didn't get rich off the deal. And they've lived for the last six years with all their friends and family just assuming that they're millionaires and they're not. And, yeah. and so it was a little cathartic to talk to a journalist about what that was like and what really happened.
1: I was of two minds about that. I understood, you know, that they were n- new employees still, and maybe they hadn't earned, you know, the millions. But it also felt um, hypocritical in the way that you know how Instagram really didn't want to encourage people to monetize their feeds, and they w- removed some right. people from like the recommended list for leaning too far into sponsorships. And it felt like they get to make all the money, and they don't want anyone else to. Do you know what I mean? yeah, I, I think that I think that is fair because Instagram really
2: was actually helping some people make money versus others. They were recommending people who then went on to get brand deals, but they mm-hmm. didn't want to get directly involved, and that's That's changing by the way. Instagram is just starting to test letting creators make money through IGTV videos. They're just starting to test letting creators make money through Instagram shopping. So they're starting to realize that there are multiple places to make content on the internet. And in this competition with TikTok and Snapchat and YouTube, they probably need to give some people a way to make a livelihood. But yeah, in the beginning, they were very against any sort of commercialization of Instagram.
1: Did your reporting um change the way you saw or used the s- app or social media more generally for the longest time instagram
2: was the only place where i could be myself because i've i'm i have a strange situation because i'm a reporter so yeah. my life is basically hours on twitter And then on Facebook, I'm Facebook friends with all of these Facebook employees. So it's not like I'm posting about my life or anything I'm doing. So Instagram was the one place where I was just like posting from my vacations or my relationship or my food (laughs) and um, not worrying about whether it had any sort of professional purpose. And this is the this is, you know, all changed with the book. Now I follow really interesting people, though. I mean, my feed is very eclectic. I have one guy in Germany who puts insects on his face. I have an embroidery artist. I have kittens. I have a <laughs> reindeer <laughs> herder in Norway. I just, like, followed all these people that I talked to for my book or tried to talk to. And that's been really cool. And that you feel like that enhanced your experience? Yeah, I think it helps me as a reporter to see what's, Ha- what different things people are trying. And for example, I was able to talk to a lot of travel influencers when coronavirus first hit hmm. and getting to hear their stories about how they were trying to still present the the beautiful idyllic scenes from their travels, even though their deals were getting canceled, their parents were worried about them and telling them to come home. All yeah. of these things were happening In reality that they weren't yet portraying on Instagram. And so having some insight into different corners of Instagram has helped me pick out stories like that, that I maybe otherwise would miss.
1: Did you receive any, um, negative feedback from anyone you interviewed? Actually, I, I have, I, I have heard not that much
2: negative feedback. I, Facebook said that they feel my book underemphasizes the <laughs> the great investments they have made in Instagram. Oh my god, that, I love it! That's that Instagram success is Facebook success, and so I feel like that is is gentle, but <laughs> not an endorsement, not a denial of what's in my story. So I felt pretty good about that balance of things. Um, Kevin Systrom went on Bloomberg Television recently. And said he hasn't had a chance to read the book yet, which I'm not sure if I believe since I sent it to him in March. But <laughs> we'll, let him, we'll let him have that. We'll let him have that. Um, <laughs> it's, a way, it's a way to not have to
1: respond. Does it freak you out or you don't mind whatever they think? I don't mind. I think
2: what I've learned over the years as a reporter is, is as long as you try to tell the truth, you do your best. You're not always going to get it right, but you can get as close as possible. Over time, the people who you critique and who you hold, hold to account will respect you. And there's so many people who have maybe been on the other side of my reporting at Facebook. And then once they quit the company, they call me and want to have a drink and talk about what they've been through. And so I think it's just it's it's good practice as a reporter to not worry too much about what. The company's going to think you want to care about what your readers are going to think,
1: yeah. Well, I freaking love it! (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) that's all I did. Um, do you feel like the Zuckerberg, um, maybe jealousy towards Instagram or like ambivalence about their success was just like ego driven? Like, Facebook's his baby, and so that has to be dominant. And everything else he wants to do well, but, like, not surpass. I, th- I think a little part of it was
2: that in, that Facebook is his baby, or maybe a big part of it. It, yeah. ha- it helped him rationalize the decision. when face- The thing about data, the thing about running a company that is so driven by metrics, is you can kind of read the metrics however you want, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And when Zuckerberg went and said, we are going to run a study to see if Instagram is a threat to Facebook. He started that study in 2016. Well, when the numbers came out, Zuckerberg looked at them and saw Facebook fading within six months and maybe eventually to zero. If things kept trending in the same direction and Kevin Systrom saw, well, the whole pie is getting bigger, even if there's maybe a little bit of overlap between the Facebook audience and Instagram audience. Aren't we trying to make Facebook Inc. bigger? And and so you can just, dis- even when it seems like a rational, logical decision, you can still disagree on what direction the logic should point you. Right. And so people, people who are close to Zuckerberg told me that absolutely felt they felt that it was an emotional decision. But there were other things that made it helpful to him. Uh, he wants to build a big network. He wants the networks of Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and Messenger to all be tied together because he works off the data that says if you have more access to people, you might have more value derived out of the product. And I'm not sure if that's true because I think we tend to share differently with these different audiences.
1: Right. I think you should run the company. You should take over Facebook. I think that would be their only hope. Tough dog. <laughs> um what did you think of uh in the introduction you shared, you know, the quote that Zuckerberg provided for your book? What did you think about that? I thought it was so appropriate. He says he <laughs> he he bought
2: Instagram because he wanted to help it grow. I love that he was like it's simple or whatever at the beginning. It's it. simple. We just we thought it would have potential to grow. It's it's actually Very, very. Zuckerberg was the only one who thought that Facebook should buy Instagram that quickly. And the fact that he wasn't willing to open up about how he felt, not just for the acquisition, but more generally about why he structured things the way he did at Instagram is maybe an indicator that there's still some pain there and there's still some some you know, feeling that he he doesn't get the respect he deserves wow. for build, helping build Instagram to this point.
1: Well, it certainly is a fascinating story and it is not simple, as Zuckerberg may claim. Um And it is complicated and it does inform so much of how we behave now in every way and why I think your book is so important. And I want people to read it. Um, What is your sort of prediction for the future of of, uh, our lives online? Instagram is gonna become a lot more
2: like Facebook. You're gonna see more recommendation engine to to put you down rabbit holes that you've already been down. Um, You're going to see more prompts for you to go over to Facebook and experience Facebook linked to Instagram you're going to see a lot more live video because of the rise of live during coronavirus mm. especially tutorial videos like workout training cooking training live performances from celebrities and music artists you're going to see people reinvent new kinds of fomo <laughs> i i thought that i thought that coronavirus would be the end of FOMO, at least temporarily. Right. It's not true. Some mm-hmm. people are really good at making sourdough bread. Some people who are really good at like making home life look blissful. Mm-hmm. Or you all also get like to see into people's homes, and not everyone has space. Right. Right. And you get to see the the income divide. So I I think that that it's going to it's going to change even more from this moment because as some people are able to return to the economy. Other people are going to still be home. And you're going to have this divide in our society between people who can go out and experience things and people who are just consuming. And I think that's going to be, it's going to really change social media. Well,
1: I can't wait to observe it despite the consequences we may seem see as a result. But you're such a talent. And your book is tremendous. And I hope you keep up the good work. And, oh, I wanted to say before I wrap it up, I love that you're a lady. And I think ladies doing business reporting is so important because I think that you're sharing a part of the story that we may otherwise not see. And I was wondering if um, you feel like you being a woman had an impact on the dynamic of the interviews that you did or not. I think... I think so, at
2: least a little bit. I think maybe people are are less threatened by me in some ways. They, mm. they, they, don't, they don't expect that I'll write something super critical because I'm a woman. I've been underestimated like that my entire career. I used to call it daughter zoning. Like I would in- interview investors and they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're like my daughter. That or, is the worst. They would, they would say like, wow, isn't it amazing that you're able to cover big companies like ours? Should I... I, should I explain server architecture to you again? <laughs> I'm like no i I know how it works, but kind of learn to uh to navigate those things, yeah, I also think that that I don't know if this is a woman thing, maybe it's just a me thing, but I wanted to tell a business book in a different way. All the business books that I've read are they tend to have a, a similar arc like the the founder as hero bringing the companies to success. how did he do it right and And I think that if you want to tell the full story of a business, you can't just measure a company on its financial metrics. You can't just measure the company on its size and and its growth trajectory. You also have to measure a company by how it makes its users feel, how, how we all feel when we're using the product, what it's changed about how our society works and the incentives people have in our economy. And so I hope that future business books are told more like this, where, where we talk to users and we talk to teenagers and we talk to parents, we talk to psychologists, like all the people who intersect, who are stakeholders of the eventual growth of the product, but don't necessarily have a
1: say in how it's developed. Yeah. I just hope you keep telling these stories because I do think it's so important and you did a tremendous job and I hope everyone reads it in quarantine at least. Um, thank thank you. you so much for being on the show. We love
3: you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.